nothing to do? Wanna have some fun? 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 everybody and welcome to episode two of the happy game family go podcast uh this is uh dana the dad of the happy game family and this is noah the son of the happy game family yeah we're sitting here uh it's uh noah's turn to uh record the intro with me uh we're actually going to be doing a uh, another themed episode we'll probably be doing themes for all of our episodes moving forward even though yeah. we'll probably uh, break out of the themes now and then yeah. The theme of this episode will be cheating or cheating hacking. the systems. Yeah. Yes, hacking and maybe a, a couple of notes on game piracy. Uh, before we get started with the theme of the podcast, though, we just want to hit on a couple of things uh, from last week. Uh, last week, our topic was co-op and multiplayer gaming in a family. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Noah and I were doing is we were sitting around and playing some games yesterday, and uh, he had his Wiimote still turned on from uh, around oh, yeah. Super Mario Brothers Wii, <laughs> and then I fired up a game of Bit Trip Beat. Not <laughs> expecting to do anything, but just play a single-player game of Bit Trip Beat. And there's another paddle on there. <laughs> there was no, you never select two-player or anything, but all of a sudden I'm like, no, grab the paddle, grab the paddle! Yeah, and I was on the laptop doing stuff, so I had to close the laptop <laughs> and grab the Wiimote, and, and then we were playing. we played it co-op, so yeah. uh, in case you didn't know it, it seems to be sort of under... Represented Bit Trip Beat is a great co-op game. Actually, we yeah, got a lot further on co-op fun. than I ever did on my own. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to complain about, I had some complaints about multi-user uh, using the Wii as a family, uh, as opposed to using the PS3 uh, as a family, etc. You know, and how they all support having multiple users. Uh, one other thing I just didn't finish complaining about on the Wii. You know, the virtual <laughs> console service that they offer on the Wii is great. You can download all these classic games and play them and everything. Yeah. And if you're playing a classic Nintendo game or like a Genesis game or I think even like a Super Nintendo game, it's as high as it goes. It's high all the way just below uh, Nintendo 64. I haven't downloaded any Neo Geo games yet, so I'll have to try it on that. But... Uh, when you exit out into the home menu, it just automatically saves it right where you leave it. So huh. next time you start the game, you just start up, which is great. Oh, For a yeah. lot of those old Nintendo games, they didn't have, you know, batteries. They didn't have any way to save your game. Yeah. Uh, but, once again, if you have multiple users, you know, Noah's pretty... You can't... Yeah, you can't... Like, if you were to just, oh, I'm, I'll try Super Mario Brothers and fire <laughs> up, you would be partway into my game, and I would lose my save... And then, you know, if you were to lose all my guys, not that it's happened, I'm just saying, you yeah. know, maybe when you were younger that would happen. But I'm just saying, you know, for supposedly the family console, that we really could use some sort of multi-user support uh, to help out with that. Especially virtual console games, you don't even know that it's saved when you go into it. You know, it's just in a frozen state. You know, Dad may be 98% through Kid Icarus, you wouldn't know, and fire it up, or yeah. get killed, you know? <laughs> so, um, we have been playing a lot of... Oh, you know, we're going to add in, in the beginning of our podcast a little segment just called Our Gaming. 
just where we talk about the games that we've been playing. Uh, and we've been playing a lot of... We we didn't play a whole lot, but we went back to Super Mario Brothers Wii, didn't we, son? Yep. And we finally got into and through part of level 7. Yeah, we got past level 6, cause, or world 6, because we were stuck on this one level where we got to the warp cannon thing. Yeah, But then yeah. we went back to world 6, because world 8 was really hard. What was our brilliant tactic to get through that... Because it was uh, that World oh, yeah. Six world was one where you were riding a platform on that water. That was moving in water really slow, and we died like a billion times. And we got to the halfway point, and Dad was like, "You know, we should just use the little mushroom power up so that we become little and can run across the water." And I'm like, "Oh my God, Dad, you're a genius!" <laughs> it worked like gangbusters. We just booked across yeah. the whole rest of the level. We were just like, nee, 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 nee. and then we both got one ups. Yep. Yep. And then we that was what let us get to the castle. Yeah. And we beat the World 6 castle. And we were all like, oh, good. You know, World 6 was mountaintops. So we'll be past that. And we'll be done with jumping. World What's... 7 is clouds. Oh, wonderful, man. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first know. level was really hard on the jumping. But we, we, we made it to our midpoint on World 7. We're saved there. Uh, and we have more to go. I think we have a ghost house next. Yeah, we do. Um... As far as my gaming, I've been playing some other games. Uh, Sabrina and her friend Hannah have been wanting me to play Silent Hill Shattered oh, yeah. Memories. Uh, I picked that up recently, not for the Wii, actually. I bought it. It came out for the Wii uh, maybe a month ago. Mm. But I bought it just uh, last week for the PS2. It was only 30 bucks for the PS2. It was 50 bucks for the Wii. Oh. I've got all the other series except for uh, Homecoming. On the PS2, including, you know, Origins, which originally came out on the PSP, but I didn't beat it on the PSP, I beat it on the PS2. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been playing that one, and that, uh, as far as my impressions on that one, it's, it's really good. I'm kind of interested. It's scary when you get in nightmare mode. Yeah, well, you gotta, uh, you don't get to fight the monsters anymore. Yeah, you just run. They've been trying to experiment with Silent Hill combat in the last few games, right? All the way yeah. even going back. Because combat in number one, two, and three, pretty much the same. Yeah. Combat in number four, all they added was this, like, power up your swing meter. Huh. Um, which was just this round little meter that filled up when you held the power button. You could really power up your swing. But what that yeah. ended up is you just ended up looking at the meter during combat instead yeah. of what was going on. So then they put out... Origins, which had breakable weapons, which ended up being kind of weird because, I mean, it's not that it was a bad idea, but your guy is like, you know, carrying seven TV sets. Yeah. You know, obviously he's got no room in his pockets for seven TV sets, so it breaks the suspension disbelief there, and you know, you hit three monsters with a TV set and it breaks, it's time to haul (laughs) out the toaster that you got in your pants somehow. (laughs) And then number five came out with a lot more advanced combat, uh, and people said it was way less scary because of that, and I probably agree, because you could get to the point where you could roll back, roll forward, dodge to the side, you could basically spam the dodge move and beat up most monsters pretty effectively. And because of that, they made the monsters stronger, which would have been scary, but you really can spam that dodge move, and, and you don't have to be scared of them when they're stronger. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I still think they could be able to work with that combat system for next generation Silent Hill games. I hope they do make another HD one, because that part of it, the the graphics were beautiful, that when we went yeah. to Scary Rusty World, 
Uh, it was really freaky. I remember the first Silent Hill game, Silent Hill 1, you know, it came out shortly after Resident Evil, and the thing that was supposed to distinguish it was that your guy wasn't good at combat. When he aimed his gun, it kind of drifted around a little bit, and when he swung, sometimes he stumbled. I think they could work with the Silent Hill 5 combat system if they made your guy not, you know, a military guy. You know, if you're... Maybe when you fired your gun, maybe it blew your reticule way up to the sky and you had to re-aim. Yeah. Or maybe when you went to do the dodge move, you tripped and fell on your ass once in a while. You know, things like that to keep it suspenseful. Because I don't want them to entirely get rid of combat systems in Silent Hill. That yeah. being said, in Shattered Memories, I do like the running away from the monsters mechanic. It is pretty freaky. I'm getting used to it. It, it has a nice suspenseful feel to it that I haven't felt in a Silent Hill game in a while. Hmm. Um, I also think some of the other things they're doing with it psychologically are pretty scary. Pretty freaky, you know. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I'm looking forward to finishing that one. And Sprina definitely wants to watch me go through it. I don't think she wants to play it herself. I think hmm. she wants to watch me do it. Yeah, they say we're too scared, Sprina and Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're, uh, we're going to take just a quick break and come back and continue... Uh, on the Happy Game Family Go podcast uh, and continue talking about our gaming with uh, me and Noah. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, we're back with the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Well, Noah, why don't you tell me about some of your gaming before I finish up with uh, some of my gaming? Okay, well, so far, these two weeks I've been playing, well, I got Spider-Man 3 on PS3 for 10 bucks, because I had it. even, huh? Yeah, because I had it on the PS2, except there's a lot less features, like you can't play as the uh, new Goblin, and there's worse graphics, and there's five less storylines, and there's a bunch of stuff that there's, they don't have in PS2. So I got that, and I've been playing that, and I'm 20% done. Wow. Yeah. It's only a couple of days you put into it, and you're getting through it fast. Yeah. So does it have the same free swinging through the city that they had in Spider-Man 2? Yeah. Cool. Well, I don't know what to ask you about that one. Yeah. You just mostly like it. Yeah. My favorite part about it, though, is the free... Like, roaming through the city and things. How's the city itself in the high definition? It's awesome. Is it? Yeah? Yeah. Can you see really far in the distance on it? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Have you turned into a black Spider-Man yet? No. Yeah, that happens later. Yeah. Have you seen Sandman yet? Huh. Well, at the beginning of the game, they, I saw him going to the place where he became Sandman. Except yeah. other than that, I haven't seen him. They did the cutscene, but you haven't battled him yet. Yeah. Would, would Spider-Man really need to battle him? Uh, and the new goblin. I just oh, yeah. I just beat him and now he's in the hospital just like in the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Cool. What else you been gaming? Um well that's pretty much the only game I've been playing other than on my iTouch. Mm. And on my iTouch I just recently got this game called iBomber, which is free where you're um just flying around in a plane. And it's an overhead view, and you have to touch, tap the boats, or whatever you're supposed to bomb, mm-hmm. and just bomb it. And once you bomb everything on the stage, you win. 
They already like moving, and you have to touch where they're going to yeah. be, not where they are. Or, yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard, but huh. it's fun. Eye Bomber. Yeah. And another game I've been playing in this game called Falling Balls, where you just... <laughs> you're, tilting, <laughs> you're tilting the eye touch. Um, you're trying to avoid these balls that are falling down from the sky. Oh, I saw that one, the real uh, stick figure yeah. sketchy-looking one. and you're tilting the movie guy and stuff, and uh-huh. yeah, it's fun. Cool. Yeah. And another game I've been playing is Angry Birds, <laughs> which my dad actually told me about that was on a podcast that he listened to. Yeah, the uh, uh, Gamers with Jobs podcast. Yeah. Tipped me off to that one. Yeah, and... um. Basically, there's just these pigs that are trying to eat your eggs, and they're in these obstacles, these buildings, and you have to shoot birds from a catapult into the buildings and knock down the buildings and kill the pigs. Yeah. Pretty much. I hear that one's real similar to a game that we never got yet for for the Wii called uh, Boom Blocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometime we'll have to see if we can pick up Boom Blocks and... Try it out. Yeah. And... It's, well, it's funny. Angry Birds is pretty funny. Yeah. No. <laughs> Something Birds about the art and style. And and yeah. The noises. <laughs> 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 and, um... My last game that I've been playing is this game called Nova. Near Orbit. And... Basically, it's just a first-person shooter on the iPod Touch... Where on the left side there's an analog, a touch analog stick that moves you around. You move your finger on the screen to aim, and there's a button on the right side to shoot. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much, it's kind of like Metroid. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In the, what, the vibe of it? or, or the It's got a lamp- sci-fi setting, I noticed that. Yeah, the setting. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we, uh, the other one I tipped you off to that, uh, co-op, the, uh, I guess video podcast program that I like to watch tipped us off to uh, was Cannibal. Oh yeah, Cannibal. Yeah, and that one was pretty cool too. Yeah. So, you're on the cutting edge of iPhone coolness. <laughs> there was a uh, article on GamePro.com recently about console quality iPhone oh, yeah. games. So we'll have to look at that and see if we can uh, maybe spend a little amount of money on some of those. Yeah. And see if they're worth it. Um, as far as uh, getting back to my gaming, um, when Noah picked up his Spider-Man 3 cheap, I did buy a pre-owned copy of a first-person shooter called Legendary, and I put a few hours into that uh, this week, maybe six hours so far, hmm. uh, and that's basically a first-person shooter where the plot is you're like this uh, like this master thief that's been hired to break into this museum and... You're supposed to steal Pandora's box, uh, but it's all a trick, and you accidentally open the box, which unleashes like all these monsters, like hmm. classic Greek mythology monsters, like griffins and fire yeah. drakes, and uh, which are like dragons, yeah, uh, werewolves, which I'm not sure I remember from Greek mythology, but that's okay, yeah. and uh, golems, which is that representing the game is just a this giant monster made out of cars and rubble and stuff that mm. it, it makes itself out of whatever it needs to. And I'm only maybe, it's not really measured in levels, but uh, 
I'm I'm kind of partway through that. I'm already kind of tired of subway levels. I hope there's not any more of those. Oh. Uh, they're kind of like sewer levels. I'm really tired of seeing subways and yeah, sewers. Yeah, same with Spider-Man Three. There's like, there's a bunch of levels where I have to go under in the sewer. I was watching that in the subway too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've been playing a lot of Subway and Sewer Game. In fact, that's a Silent Hill problem, too, that I, so far I'm really glad not to see in Shattered Memories, uh, is no sewer level. Because I remember they even did that in uh, Homecoming, and uh, I was like, man, getting pretty tired of sewer levels in Silent Hill games. <laughs> yeah. Or any horror games, really. I know. Um so anyway, that one got kind of a uh, middle in reviews for Legendary because they're like, oh, it doesn't have the shooter mechanics and blah 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 blah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm get, I'm liking the variety of shooting something besides other soldiers. Yeah. Although there are other soldiers that you shoot in the game too. Oh. <laughs> um, some other things I'm playing on the PS3 uh, is a game that I actually bought a while ago. And it was called something different when I bought it. It was called hmm. Magic Ball. Uh, and I oh, bought... Yeah. yeah. which is pretty much... Everybody all went nuts about Shatter. This uh, uh, breakout variant that came out a few months ago. And Shatter was good because it had this um, mechanic where you use the bumpers to push or pull floating pieces around while you're trying to bounce the ball and knock away all the bricks on the wall. You remember I told you oh, about yeah. Breakout and how I used to play that with that mom. Yeah. Uh, my mom. Well, that's a whole category game. I mean, they had Breakout. They had another one called Arkanoid. They've had all kinds of categories of that game. Um, so I played Shatter all the way through, and I thought that was fine. You know, I liked the techno music and everything, but it kind of had the samey aesthetic all the way through. It was all, mm. uh, you know, outer spacey neon crystallized aesthetic, you know. It had yeah. some cool innovations like circular levels and things like that. Hmm. But uh, uh, Magic Ball had a kind of a different aesthetic in that you were, you looked like this Da Vinci-style flying machine as a bouncer, and you're bouncing a soccer ball <laughs> through this field, and it started out with like a pirate level, uh, and you're knocking down pirate ships. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That game? It was okay it's when I played it on SD, but when I got a, an HD TV in 1080p, it was really yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I even got the DLC for it. They put out, like, a Cowboy DLC and, mm -hmm. like, Kings and Queens DLC. Mm. I loved it. Played through all those. Well, they just recently put out a new DLC for it. It was also very beautiful. Uh, uh, the graphics on the game are really nice. The variety of what you're hitting and the power-ups that you pick up are really nice. You pick up yeah. lots of power-ups that let you shoot, but sometimes they're cannons, other times they're RPGs, other times they're lasers, other times there's machine guns <laughs> that you're shooting these things with. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, it is cool. Uh, the winter DLC that I got, uh, seems pretty cool as well. It seems, like, even more graphically rich. Uh, but they renamed the game Magic Orbs with a Z. Uh, and I'm not really sure. I guess it might be a little bit more catchy of a game. Maybe they're trying to... And I know, also noticed it, it popped, bubbled back up to the front page of the PSN oh. store, the PlayStation store. Yeah. Like they're trying to give it another push with a name change. Well, if you do see Magic Orbs and you liked Shatter or you liked Arkanoid or any of those breakout style games, uh, I definitely enjoyed Magic Ball slash orbs. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm playing that one. And then another one that I got that I want to try out with you 
because it looks like it is a good multiplayer. Uh, but I just got it the other night, and so we haven't even had a chance to look at it. It's called uh, Tank Battles, hmm. which kind of reminds me of Combat or uh, the Wii Play tank game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, only, you know, in HD and with different aiming mechanics and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it looks to have, like, a big variety of levels and power-ups and stuff you can pick up, and you steer your tank with one stick and turn your turret with the other stick. Hmm. Uh, it looks like it might be worth playing multiplayer. It might already be fun single-player. I only got a couple levels into it, but oh. definitely some cool stuff coming out on PSN in yeah. the smaller games. It might rival your iPod gaming. <laughs> See, because my son's got an iPod, but I don't. I Mine's my old-school iPod mini. <laughs> <laughs> where did we go the other day where you were stuck? Oh, we went to your mom's birthday dinner. And you forgot your iPod. Oh yeah, and all I, I was had so was mine. bored. <laughs> and I played your. What I was... played brick. <laughs> brick. <laughs> That's like a breakout. Same thing. Yeah, it is. Brick, and uh, I was trying to show you the the merits of parachute. Oh yeah, I the played other... parachute also. <laughs> <laughs> the old uh, black and white iPod mini games underwhelmed my iPod Touch spoiled son. <laughs> hey, uh, so. That's probably about it for what we've been gaming, huh? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to come back a little bit uh, in just a second on the Happy Game Family Go podcast and talk about uh, our topic a little bit. We'll open it up, and then uh, maybe later we'll bring Sabrina in on it. Our topic being uh, cheating, cheating the system. Cheating and hacking. Cheating and hacking and, and getting a hold of stuff maybe you shouldn't. Pirating. All right, so we'll be back in just a few minutes with that on the Happy Game Family Go Hey folks, Dad and Son are back here with the Happy Game Family Go! Podcast. <laughs> hey, we're here to tackle our topic for the week, which is cheating the systems. Basically, it's about video game cheating, uh, maybe video game hacking, uh, maybe modding a little bit, although I don't think any of us have much experience with that. No. But uh, cheating the systems also includes uh, uh, hacking and modding and maybe getting a hold of games, not so much in the way that is approved. And we're just going to talk about it with an open mind. I think we should just start out with cheating. You know what I mean? Cheating the game. Yep. Uh, so uh, I suppose if I think back on... See, you got it easy now, kid, in terms of <laughs> game cheats. Because you got Game Facts. Yeah. And Game Facts has just got a database of every <laughs> cheat code you could possibly want on every game. <laughs> You just search it by system and name. It's so easy. Man, when I was a kid, back in my day when you wanted to cheat in a video game, you had to buy a magazine subscription and watch each month to see if they just happened to print something for your game. While you were walking to school uphill both ways. Seven miles. And three feet of broken glass. No, no, I'm sorry. <clears throat> you can't... All right. 
I was going to do a, a Bill Cosby there, but it's probably best if I don't. <laughs> um, probably I started out on fighting games, looking in magazines. Probably it was Mortal Kombat hmm. that got me first interested in looking up. Because I had played games. You know, I've played games ever since I was a little kid on Atari. and uh, But there, there wasn't really much in terms of cheats on Atari. Yeah. Uh... And then I had a Commodore 64, and I'll talk about some issues that came up with the Commodore 64 a little bit. But uh, in terms of cheating, uh, I, I just didn't want to have to figure out how to kill, how to rip the spine out of the guy all by <laughs> myself with quarter after quarter. You know? Yeah. So I got a magazine. It had all the moves. Uh, rip the spine, I think, was forward, down, forward, high punch for mm. Sub-Zero. Might have been low punch. I can't remember. Uh... And there you had it. Uh, that's what, uh, you know, so I even still have a bunch of those magazines or cheat codes clipped out, uh, put somewhere. You know, you couldn't search it on the internet. It was, if you got a code in a magazine, everybody got it at the same time. All your friends got the code at the same time in the magazine if they were reading the same magazine. Yeah. And then you went nuts with it. Uh, so what, what about your early cheating memories? Cheating the game. Well, my first team memories was probably on a Superman game on PS2 mm. because Which one we. I'm trying to remember, Shadow of Apocalypse. Yeah, and um, because yeah, we had it was this... hard. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like flying around, <laughs> <laughs> and then my I did do a mission. I was always fail it. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I, as I remember, that game had everything had time limit. You had like thirty yeah. seconds to go get this guy, and one minute to go over here. Yeah. But um, and we had this big book for the the PS2, the GameCube, or the PS2 and the GameCube full of cheats. Oh yeah. Yeah, and on the PS2 we had Superman: Shadow of Apocalypse, and I would always have Mom type in the cheats. Oh uh, yeah. Like for me before they I were word playing, form cheats, weren't they? Yeah, you'd have to type them in, like, as a word. Uh huh. And um, then I'd just go nuts flying around and shooting freezing air nonstop and killing oh, guys. With... Unlimited powers. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, for my video game fighting game, Mortal Kombat obsession, when I started doing it in the home gaming, uh, when I first started unleashing the internet on my cheating, see now, Game Facts used to be called Game Sages, hmm. and before it was Game Sages, it was just Sega Sages, hmm. they only did Sega games, <laughs> so uh, I started out and found the Sega Sages on my trusty old Netscape Navigator 2.0, <laughs> uh... Looking up cheat codes for Eternal Champions. Actually, it was the Sega CD version. Uh, Eternal Champions Challenge from the Dark Side. Hmm. Some game I'm weirdly fond of. Even though, you know, I guess it was good. It was pretty good. Huh. <laughs> but I've used music from it in the last two podcasts, and I huh. just remember it fondly. Uh, maybe because it got me onto the internet looking up cheats. Yeah. Because that game had, you know, three different fatalities per stage, and <laughs> each guy had two fatalities, so there was just no way. And they were like, you know, the guy had to be standing on just the right pixel at the yeah. right part of the stage, you know. You just play it over and over to try and find these things on your own, and 
half the time when you activated the fatality, you had no idea how you did it. You're just like, oh, oh, hey, that guy <laughs> fell into the pit. And, oh, he's on fire. Whoa, <laughs> check that out. So uh unleashed the power of the Internet. And I opened up, got my Sega Sages, printed out the cheats. This is back, you know, even now I still print out a lot of, a lot of the cheats that I've looked up on the Internet just because... I guess I just don't trust the internet to always be there and always be free. Yeah. You know, maybe my collector archiving impulse goes a little too far <laughs> when I'm printing out cheats. Yeah, I read this doesn't really have anything to do with games, but mm -hmm. there's a group on Facebook who says, like, the Facebook's going to cost $3 a month in June 2010. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, then I'm done with Facebook. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, come on. You know, uh, I understand that people need to make their money, but if you can't make an advertising model work, not everything's worth a subscription model. And I'm not going to be nickel and dimed $300 worth of stuff, you know, $2 here, $1 there. Oh, you, would yeah. you like to read this Consumer Reports review? It'll be a dollar. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know. Maybe you should print out your game facts now. Yeah. Before game facts is not it's free. Not free. Because the internet may not be entirely free forever. It's not even like it's free now. Why doesn't Comcast give everybody a cut? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the economics would be impossible. Yeah. Anyway, back to cheating. Um. So yeah, I I hit game facts in the old way, magazines, cheat code books, buying those. Yeah. Uh, like you were saying, you remembered. Uh, so what other games have been big uh, ones that you wanted to cheat on? Um, man, there's a bunch. Um, ones I have cheated on or just, like, wish I could or... Uh, ones that you have. Because right. I noticed once you got a hold of that, there were plenty of games that you'd never <laughs> even wanted. You were like, oh, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> well, pretty much on every game, I beat the as cheat codes. Um. Sometimes I'll beat it once without cheat codes, and then play it again with cheat codes. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I'll just be like, "Nope, too hard. I'm using cheats," and just go straight to cheat codes. For pretty much every game, it, it did happen a lot. I mean, <laughs> we would argue because I'd be like. But what are you doing, boy? How come you got you just got hit by eight missiles and you're still walking? You'd be like, yeah, cheat codes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you just bought that game today. You didn't even try. <laughs> yeah, cheat codes. Yeah, cheat codes. Um, I'm trying to remember one game that. Well, I know one game that was way better with cheat codes was the Grand Theft Auto games. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, because that just opened up the open world aspect of it, you know. Yeah. Without that, you know, it's kind of, you're doing the missions, and maybe you're being you'll... being all careful, not trying to hit anybody, or right, right. kill anybody so you don't get arrested. Once you unleash cheat codes, spawning helicopters and tanks and, <laughs> and all kinds of weapons. Ramming into things and jacking helicopters. And his codes were like 14, 15, you know, things long, and you'd have them all memory. Oh, left, right, 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 right,
And it's pretty impressive. Maybe it, maybe it impresses me similar, like how I could remember, you know, oh, you've got to hold block and get, you know, three character distances away and then press up, up, high punch. And then Scorpion <laughs> rips off his face and breathes fire onto the guy and kills him. <laughs> so G-Codes are like, you know, they test your memory about the games a little bit, too. Yeah. You played them with uh, Conquer, you said, didn't you? Yeah, Conquer's... Um... I only play, they don't really have any cheats on single player, mm -hmm. except for just making like a weapon look different or your costume or something. Mm -hmm. And s same with multiplayer though, it just unlocks you different characters. And um, no, I remember there was some cheats on single player. Yeah, I think like there were. Unlimited lives or something. Yeah. They had, there are some games, though, you got to admit, they still appeal to you even though there were no cheat codes. Yeah. Super Mario 64. Yeah. No cheat codes. Every Mario game, yeah, because none of them had cheat codes. Same with Zelda. Yeah. You have to earn it. Yep. But you didn't give up on them. No. I always thought maybe using the cheat codes made you use up the game faster. Made me, like, just greedy. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, <laughs> completely digest the game <laughs> in, like, a day and be like, I'm done with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, you know, it's not always necessarily a good idea to have cheat codes, maybe. But yeah. I think sometimes people put cheat codes in their game if their game's definitely broken or really super hard or has yeah. weird difficulty curves to help people out. And really, you know, those cheat codes, like, how are people going to discover them? I don't think... Maybe sometimes people are discovering them, but I think the developers... I think that the were, developers just put them on websites and stuff just yeah, over time. Like, put them, them on out. Yeah. one website, and then people that, um, um, that were on that website put on a different website, and on and on, and then it's on the internet everywhere. It, yeah, I think that's how it works. I'm, You know, it's very conspiracy theory, but I think that's probably how it is. Yeah. So... Nintendo doesn't have cheat codes. No, uh, not really. Old Atari didn't have cheat codes. A lot of old Nintendo games did have cheat codes. Oh. Like, uh, for old old Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, Contra, there was a famous code called the Konami Code. Hmm. Ah, I think it was up, up, down, down, left, left, right, right, A, B, A, B, start. What or something. It, what did it do? It, it gave you, instead of three lives, you got 30 lives. Oh. And even, you know, it was still pretty hard to beat the game on 30 lives. Yeah. But it was a, it gave you a chance, at least. <laughs> Contra in the arcade, you know, you got three lives, and then when you died, it said, do you want to continue? And you put it in another quarter, you know. Yeah. You got as many lives as you could afford to get. <laughs> yeah. Which was the way a lot of old arcade games were, so. Uh, now, I did not have a Nintendo Entertainment System when I was a kid. Hmm. I went right from Atari to a Commodore 64. In Commodore games, I don't remember them having a lot of cheat codes. I did buy strategy guides for some of them. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got a bunch of strategy guides right now. I'm looking at that shelf and there's a bunch of strategy guides. Yeah, we do have a lot. Do you think strategy guides are cheating? Mm, not really, because really you only use strategy guides... If you're stuck on a part and you can't get past it at all, mm -hmm. so then you just go look up a strategy guide or a facts on game facts or something. Right. And you get past the part and then you'll have the strategy guide like next to you or something. Right. If you need it. Well, so I use game facts and you use game facts. 
Sometimes uh, Sabrina and Hannah, they like to use uh, YouTube. They like to watch the walkthroughs. Yeah, I know. I don't see why they do that. I like using game facts better. Well, I think with the wa- when you're watching the walkthroughs, you might spoil more of the game than you yeah. want to. But I could understand how it's sometimes hard to find where you're at on the game facts. Or sometimes the yeah. fact writer isn't... Uh, it is. He's not detailed enough. And yeah, he's-, he's like, so go... Left or something. Right. Well, I've read facts that are pretty much like they're just going to, he's just going to pull you through the game. You know, he's not yeah. going to say, if you go here, you're going to have this problem. He's just going to say, don't go there. Yeah, I know. And so if you go there and you have this problem, you're like, he's no help. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, so you don't think the strategy guides are cheating? Well, sometimes they're cheating. It feels yeah, kind of like some cheating cases, sometimes. Yeah. That kind of pushes the boundary. Yeah, that's kind of like in the middle. It's a gray area. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there were some games on the old Commodore 64 that I used the, the strategy guides for that I was like, I do not see how you could win this game without the strategy guide. Yeah. I'm going to say the Bard's Tale games. Huh. Bard's Tale 2 especially. I never even made it to that last dungeon. I <laughs> went ahead and cheated and read the whole guide for the last dungeon and said... I don't even want to play this dungeon looking at what this says. <laughs> yeah, I know. This looks really hard. I don't think I'm going to do it. And Mom and I were reminiscing last week about how we played Gauntlet Legends and we're trying oh, yeah. to use a strategy guide to get us through a part. Uh, and the strategy guide was useless because it only presented uh, uh, screenshots. No oh, maps. That sucks. Yeah. Come on. Put maps in your strategy guide. Hey, yeah. I have lots of fond memories of Versus brand. Versus book strategy guides. Oh, yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. No, it's like all Brady games and Prima. Yeah. But there used to be this other brand called Versus. Huh. And we actually have their Pokemon strategy guides. Huh. Man, they put out beautiful guides. Full color maps. Nice charts. But they weren't kept in the bookstore like books. They didn't get a bookstore number. Hmm. They were treated like magazines. So oh. they, you know, they were gone before you knew it. Yeah. They didn't keep them on the shelves. Mm-mm. Well, so there's game facts, strategy guides, cheat codes. Then the other way you can cheat the system uh, is something that did come up on the Commodore 64, which was uh, getting copies <clears throat> of games. Yeah. Which is something that I knew a bunch of kids in high school that were doing. They were copying games and handing them to each other. And I have a few discs that have a few games on them. So that's something we'll be talking about a little bit too. But first we're going to take a little break. Come back and maybe we'll bring back in uh, uh, Sabrina to talk a little bit about cheating on the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Because it sounds like she just started a shower in the next room. I don't know if you can all hear that on a podcast. We hope not. (laughs) We'll be back in just a minute, folks. Welcome back, folks, to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. 
sitting here with my son Noah and my daughter Sabrina. We are talking about our topic for this particular podcast, which is cheating the systems, cheating the games, uh, cheating at games, maybe using strategy guides. Yeah. So how are you doing, Sabrina? With what? No, just just how oh. are you? Oh, I'm very good. Good. Hey, well, we uh, we start out each person when spit they. On it. I did spit on my notes. Either that or water dripped off my mustache. I don't know. Either way, that's why they call it a soup strainer, a flavor saver. You. <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, what have you been playing this week? Uh, what? Tell us about your gaming. Anything the last couple of weeks? Not really. Yeah. Taking a break? Have you yeah. still been playing with Hannah on her sleepovers, or you guys been doing other things? We just tried other things, and like we tried playing obscure, but just got frustrated. Yeah. So, and then we like enjoyed watching you play Silent Hill Shattered Memories or whatever, Dream. What is it called? Yeah, Shattered, Shattered Memories. memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that. Are we? Um, are you... Haven't you been playing Homecoming? Yes. Oh, you did start a game of Homecoming, oh, yeah. didn't you? Silent Hill Homecoming. That game is. Good. Yeah. Cool. Are you gonna Are you gonna stick with it? Or are you gonna give up for a while or come back to it? What do you think? I want you to beat that game first. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, we will sit down and have me play through some of that. Now, you want me to wait for Hannah to come no, back? For no, me? no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about Hannah? I'll tell her what happens. Okay. Okay. Um, one thing about Silent Hill: Homecoming that the reviews were saying is that the combat system made the monsters less scary because once you get good enough at the dodge move, mm-hmm. and I notice I have to, you know, next time you play, I'll have to get you to use the dodge move a little more uh, so that you'll live longer. But once you get good enough at the dodge move, nothing can really hit you if you're good yeah. enough at it. So that would be, that's not really cheating though. That's what they call min maxing. Have you heard min maxing before? No. Nope. It means, like, using minimum effort to get maximum result. Mm-hmm. It's something they try to keep you from doing in games when they design them. But you, instead of learning their whole combat system and combos and everything, you just learn one move, how to you know, roll back and then roll forward and smack something and get your maximum result. Minimum effort, maximum result, min-maxing. What are you doing over there, boy? Put it down. You're like the cat. <laughs> so, uh... That's different. There's cheating, and I, I also call it spamming, like spamming the move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also talking about cheating, like cheat codes. Is there any memories that you have of using? Just just with The Sims, I don't think I've really... Well, and with, like, I've watched walkthroughs and stuff, but uh-huh. with, like, actual cheat codes, it was only, I've only used them on, like, The Sims and Grand Theft Auto. Tell us about The Sims cheat codes. Well, the ones I mainly used were... The money one, which in The Sims was Rosebud, and then Sims 2 and Sims 3 was, like, Motherload or something. And they were both yeah. the same in 2 and 3? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then another one I used, um, now that I think about it, that's really the only one I use, the money one. Rosebud in The Sims 1, that's weird, because that's a reference to a, a line from a movie, Citizen Kane. Oh, really? Yeah, it was the name of the... You you didn't find out till the end what it was the name of. I'll, I'll I won't tell you in case you want to watch I'm Citizen watch King. It, tell me. It's it's a good movie. You should watch it. It's a classic. 
You should probably tell it later so if people on the podcast want to watch they, it. They could go watch Citizen Kane if they want to know what Rosebud's a reference to. <laughs> but what is it in Sims 2 and 3? Motherload? Yeah. And you type it in and what? You get a bunch of money? Yeah, you get like 50000 That's cool. Yeah. Because that game is like all about slowly making money. Yeah. I've tried that before and I don't like it. Yeah, you lost patience? Yeah. So do you pretty much use those cheat codes every time you play The Sims? Yeah. You Have you ever tried to play The Sims without them? Yeah. Yeah? I didn't like it. You lost your patience? Yeah. Because it, it just wanted way too much time from you, right? Yeah. Not what? just that, it's just like, even with the job I had, I didn't make like 50000 every day. Mm-hmm. So... And then I also always wanted to live in, like, a big house. Right. <laughs> so. So you would have to work your way up to that. Yeah. Is that why you never liked it when I bought you one of the console Sims games? Mm-mm. I hated those. Yeah? Cause, was it because you couldn't cheat in that way or for other well, reasons? it was just like, I mean, you could cheat in that one. Uh-huh. But it was just, like, different because, I don't know, I just didn't like it. Yeah. Like, when we got the pets kind, I, I didn't like that one. Yeah, those never went anywhere with you. Mm-mm. Hmm. Well, there were other cheat codes that you used to like to use on the Grand Theft Auto games, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you would have never tried probably Grand Theft Auto at all if I hadn't had the cheat code to let you be uh, the girl character on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, was not, that, was on, that wasn't on um, Grand Theft Auto. That's the one. Like, like the San Andreas one. Yeah, it was on Vice City. Yeah. You so, couldn't be a girl. Yeah, before and, we had San Andreas, you played Vice City. Yeah, I think I played more of San Andreas, though. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just like that one better. Would you use the cheat codes on that one, too? Um, yeah. yeah, I would usually usually use, like, full health, and then we, when I used full health, I'd get a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'd unlock a bunch of, like, cars and guns and stuff. Would you mostly use it to help you play the story missions in the game, or did you never even bother with mm-hmm. a just to give you the car you wanted? Yeah. And so you after could... after a while, I played some of the missions, but then I decided I just didn't want to anymore. Ah, cool. Well, then the other side of uh, cheating the systems that we were talking about in our podcast—not uh, just cheat codes—we were also talking about cheating getting a hold of games maybe not in an entirely legal fashion getting a hold of copies of games illegally things like that is that anything that you've run across no is it something you've run across like with with music or no i've never well i've never like actually done limewire but my friend she like burned me a cd of Mm. stuff from limewire limewire so Uh but i've never actually like used it right so, no. Well, that's cool. I mean, you don't really have much of a need. We don't Mm-mm. keep music from you very much that you want. Yeah. You don't have such a strong, high demand for buying music that, you know, you want more than what we can afford. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. what Hannah does. She has LimeWire, and she'll get, like, a bunch of songs, and they'll be all edited mm-hmm. and stuff, and they won't be, like, the actual song. Right. Which will, like, suck. Well, that's the thing. I mean, LimeWire is what they call a... Uh, a file sharing program. And so anything you're downloading from LimeWire is just something that somebody else has put up there. Yeah. And they don't necessarily name it right. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're playing tricks and give you the wrong thing with the wrong name and yeah. and things like that. Or you get, you know, the edited mix or a badly recorded. All of that stretches back to uh, Napster was the first service that came out. 
that had that kind of thing. It was what they call a peer-to-peer -peer file sharing, which means, you know, like your peers in school, mm -hmm. they're at the same level with you. Uh, it means, you know, anybody at that level with you, just a computer user, could share files with each other. And when Napster first came out, they didn't have iTunes. They didn't have iPods, really. I mean, they had just started to have iPods and music players, uh, but iTunes wasn't big like it was now, and there were only a few songs on it. Hmm. But Napster came out when they figured out how to make music files that played on computers, MP3s. The, the file format that was small enough that you could transmit it over the internet, but high enough quality. Because before that, all the music files, if you captured music into a, a digital format, it was a big file. And people were still dialing up to connect to the internet and everything, so it would take forever to get a hold of anything like that. But once the MP3s came out and they could compress and make littler files, and people started to get high-speed internet, then it exploded. And everybody started using Napster to steal music. But then iTunes came out and started offering you the chance to buy a dollar a song, which, you know, most people started to feel was pretty fair. Because I mentioned this before. Before that, if you liked a band and you liked their song, you had, like, two choices on how to get a hold of the song. You could buy their album mm -hmm. for, like, 18 or 20 bucks at the music store. Uh, and it came with, you know, 11 other songs on it. You didn't know if you liked them. Or you could buy a single, which was like an album, but it was like six bucks. Yeah. Um, and what would happen is a lot of times uh, music uh, execs would find somebody who had a really good single and sign them to an album deal. And then they'd fill up the album with a bunch of other junk music, not very good stuff. And so you would feel ripped off after you spent $18, $20, mostly because you liked one song. So I think iTunes really turned that around so that people felt like they could pay a fair amount for one song. And so I don't know, uh, I don't necessarily agree that it's a good idea to be using LimeWire to be taking music if you can get it for a fair price, you know? Yeah. But there are songs that I've wanted that aren't on iTunes or aren't on a digital mm. music service. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And so, you know, there have been times when I've I've gotten a hold of a song maybe not so much for paying for it. Yeah, you see, like, when I can't find a song on iTunes that, like, is stuck in my head or something, mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I just forget about it. I just, like, listen to it on the computer. I don't get it from, like, LimeWire or whatever. That's cool. It's probably better that way. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was a kid in high school, I had a Commodore 64 computer. And there was no internet, really, back then. But I knew, remember, some friends gave me uh, a disc that let you copy other discs. They, all the games came on those big discs, the big five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy discs. Whoa. Yeah, actual floppy discs. <laughs> like, if you flopped them, they would I flop. They floppy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, this kid gave me a box of a few copied, you know, discs like that that had, like, 10 or 20 games on them. But I never got into it as a scene back then, you know. I wasn't mm -hmm. copying software and trying to get it to my friends or trying to get a hold of more of it. It was just something one kid gave me one time. Except for one time that I did go to a friend's house. Actually, uh, I was babysitting at their house. And they had a Commodore also. And they had two games that I wanted that I didn't have. 
and I took my little copy disc and I took some blank discs. Mm. And after I put the kids in bed, I did copy those games uh, and kept copies of those. But it wasn't as good, you know. Mm. Even though you could have the games, you know, you didn't it feel. Just feels weird. Like, yeah. You know, feels like you're not. Well, you know, like you didn't have the label. You didn't have the book or anything. Yeah. Um, and you didn't give anybody any money for it. You know, you just got mm-hmm. it for free. Well, there's a lot of that going on with games right now. Just crazy over the internet. Uh, but it's not something that I'm involved with. But it's something that we'll be talking a little bit about. Okay, folks, we'll be back in just a little bit with a little bit more on Cheating the Systems in the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Folks, and welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Uh, I'm sitting here with Noah and Aunt Sarah and my nephew Josh. And we've got uh, uh, my mother-in-law Sue over here, although I don't know if you're going to be hanging around for this segment. No, okay. Uh, And I decided to record this segment. Uh, We've got a theme for our episode this time around, and our theme is Cheating the Systems. And... uh, this time around, we decided to talk about iPod jailbreaking because we have people in the house who've used iPods and played around with jailbreaking, uh, and we thought we'd kick it around as a topic, uh, report on it for the world at large. Um, now, I first heard about jailbreaking uh, in relation to iPhones because people didn't want to use their iPhone on the AT&T network. They thought it, you know, they either had a network they were already loyal to. Or uh, there's been a lot of complaints about the AT&T network and it's uh, how good it works. So I knew about that, but I didn't know that you could jailbreak your iPod at first until you first got a hold of one, Noah. So give me, tell me why somebody would want to jailbreak their iPod. Well, one reason is for free apps. Yeah. Yeah, which is pirating, which is great. Yeah. That's what he thinks. So I know that you had at one point jailbroke your iPod, Noah. Yeah, then I had to restore it. And I know that Zachary's got it jailbroken. I know that Josh has got yours jailbroken. In fact, I don't actually know too many kids with iPod Everyone touches. Everyone I know other than Josh and Zach have, don't have it jailbroken. Everyone I know has jailbroken iPods. Yeah. So how hard is it to do it? Don't give us like the specifics, but just give well, it's us. It's really easy. You have to download a program and then download one on your iPod. And that's yeah. basically okay. it. And then it's just boom. What now? What what essentially does it mean when you jailbroke? Though? It means like you cracked your iPod, so now you can get free apps and. Are you pretty much like? There's a whole new app store that comes with jailbreaking it that and all the apps are free and. There's a couple other different features. It comes with, like, you can 
there's this thing called Winterboard that makes it so you can have background uh -huh. behind your apps. Which is another reason why you might want to do it, right? Because yeah. yeah, you can't do that regularly. Apple and makes you have what really... the black background. Yeah, and yeah. that's not really like doing anything like bad. Just having a background behind your apps. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, they must keep it that way for their, like, design sense. Uh, you can only have it look the way Apple wants it to look, right? Is that why they keep it locked down and you can't have backgrounds there? Well, I don't think it's like that because with you can have custom, like, wallpapers when on the screen where you slide your little thing to unlock your iPod. Uh-huh. You can have custom wallpapers on that. Well, and Apple just did the announcement this last... Uh, of the iPad. Yeah. Friday, was it? Uh, Thursday know, of the Sunday. iPad. So they're going to put out an i a big, you know, about the size of this clipboard iPod Touch. Yeah. And it looked like from the pictures of that, you could set your own backgrounds yeah, you up for it. Yeah, you your own background behind your apps. Okay. Well, so what... I what iPod store are you getting to on a jailbroke iPod? It's called Installus. Or there's Rock. Rock? Yeah. And are the, is that like all separate from the iTunes yeah. store? Yeah. It looks all different and everything? Yeah. Huh. You use open it up and then you... It takes like two minutes to load. And once you, after you open it a while for a couple times, yeah, it opens up like right up. away. Like mine opens up right away and then... You just search for whatever app you want, and then just it brings like it up. And it's like I'm there's saying... a different process to get it than from the app store. You don't just click download now. Right. You have to like download it, and then you and have to install it. Send it to a website, and then you download it from there. Go to your downloads file, and then you install it. Huh? Is it similar to like LimeWire and peer-to-peer -peer music sharing? Or well, I've never used LimeWire, so I wouldn't know. But you actually go to websites, or is it just something that? Well, it doesn't go, like, to Safari. It just goes to, uh... Whatever website cracked it. Cracked yeah. It. Oh, I see. So each... So is... Does each app end up cracked separately and on different sites? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one, like, big um, website that... I don't know if they do, but basically, like, more than half of all the apps have been cracked by this one website. So I don't okay. know there's, like, one big company that just cracks apps. So there's all, some stuff that you can't get that yeah, well, way. The, um, the apps that were made by Apple, you can't get those ones. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but like they're impossible to crack them. And mm. then, so, but a lot of people will make apps that are a lot like them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Only one of them from Apple, though, cost money because they only put out, like, four apps. What's what are some of the consequences to jailbreaking your iPod? I mean, at one point you had some problems with yours, right? Yeah, like well, I for mine, I think what just happened was we did it wrong or something, so I restored it and did it again. Okay. Yeah, and I don't really know what any of the consequences are because I've never like gotten busted or anything. Right. Well, I mean, like, do they ever put out like iPod software updates and well, then detects that you? Because do, didn't you plug yours in and it said, we've detected a jailbroke well, iPod? they always say that, but then you just click OK, and it's like slides right by for some reason. Huh. Yeah, and with the software updates, you pretty much have to restart your iPod and jailbreak all over again when you update. But it just backs up your iPod before you, you use back up your iPod before you do that. Uh-huh. So. Well, uh, so what would be some of the consequences of 
a jailbroken iPod beyond if you got caught or if it caused your iPod problems? What do you think? How do you think that affects the world at large? What do you mean? Like, well, people that make the apps. Right. Well, oh. they kind of get cheated out. Yeah, and they don't get their money for when you download the app, but... So, if, I guess, like, it's kind of... Like, if you're an app developer or something, mm-hmm. and teammate apps, and your iPod was jailbroken, he'd probably not like that very much. Right. And, um, too, I'd be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, you were not allowed to jailbreak your app, and when we uh, found out you did it anyway, you got in trouble. Yeah. Um, and that was our approach on it, uh, but... You have a different approach, right, Sarah? On whether or not... Well, yeah, there was never any rules established with Josh as far as jailbreaking. Right. It's his iPod. He spent his money on it. Yeah. It's. I wouldn't know if he jailbroke it anyhow, so... But if he did have problems with it and it were to crash on him, you know, I'm more of the computer expert for our family and they'd be all, fix it for me. Whereas he'd be like, well, you did it. You're on your own, buddy. Fix it yourself. Well, right? I, I mean, I, I guess would... that's something we haven't thought about. I mean, it'd be to cross that bridge if we ever came to it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's his iPod. He spent his money on it. You know, I can't, you know, I choose not to, I guess, get involved in some things. Mm-hmm. And he's 13. He's well, you got to pick your battles. Yeah, you pick your battles, and I can't micromanage every little piece of his life. So Right. Well, in terms of a larger consequence of jailbreaking your iPod, uh, what would it be like in the world if everybody had jailbroke iPods? Nobody would make apps. And if they did, then there'd be a lot they would more. just not even bother making them cost any money. Yeah. And Apple would probably, I don't know, this is kind of drastic, but they would maybe shut down or something. Well, they'd probably make iPods that had a lot more... uh, Security? Yeah. Yeah. Or they'd do that, yeah. Well, I remember, and we were talking with Sabrina and Noah upstairs about when when Napster first came out. Oh, yeah. uh, And and music first (laughs) got to be something that you could download over the internet. uh, And... Back then, when that first happened, you couldn't get music for a dollar a song. You had to pay, you know, twenty bucks to buy, to buy an, an album. album, or like seven dollars to buy a single. Do you think people jailbreak their iPods because apps are too expensive? Cause yeah. Really? I don't. Not. I don't think that's the only reason. I think well, they're no, kids, the and they want to see what that's they can get away. That's part of the reason why I do it. Well, it's part of the reason, but they're also kids. I mean, and it's not just kids doing it, but people want to see what they can get away with. Right. Well, there's a yeah, there's a hacker in general, impulse. Not just, I mean, not just with their iPods. People want to see what they can get away with. Yeah. See what they can get for free. Exactly. Well, and it's, it is true, though, on the hacker impulse, you know. Because after a while, I mean, I notice when you can get free apps. Because I'm not saying that I've never done anything like this. I've got an emulator software for my computer that let me d- play arcade game ROMs. It's called MAME, the Multiple Arcade Machine Emulator. And back when the internet was pretty new, you know, eight to ten years ago, before there was a big crackdown on this, I was able to get a hold of the ROMs for a lot of arcade game machines. Ones that you couldn't buy or play unless you found them, or ones that you could buy. Uh, And it was a certain 
level of it was just curiosity and seeing what you could get a hold of and what you could do. Um, they say that hackers, you know, even the ones that are trying to get into the defense department aren't necessarily doing it because they want to be spies. They just want to see if they can beat the system, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, a challenge. Yeah. Well, and then a lot of those same hackers, when they get, if they get caught or if they don't get caught, they can turn around and become successful security experts because they've seen it from the other side yeah. of the coin. But it does seem like if everybody, I mean, I don't know about how many of your friends have iPod touches. I didn't know you had a whole like bunch of friends. Like a lot, like 10. Really? Yeah. Well, because I just knew Zach's was jailbroke and Jason, you know, he wasn't going to pick that battle. I knew yours was jailbroke, and Sarah's not picking that battle. And I, I didn't even realize it was a battle to pick until you brought it up. Right, right. So, I mean. Well, and my concern after buying Noah's one was that it would be, you know, that there would be something that would break it, uh, and that he'd be looking at me all sad, trying to get it all fixed up. But then number two, he and I downloaded the uh, iPhone software development kit. And so, uh, oh, yeah, the I mean, if we look into that further, we're looking at actually becoming iPhone developers. And so, you know, we would be the people who we would, would the... lose money. Yeah, I know. It's I would like buy what your you... app. Would you buy my app? Well, Please. that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, like, it's kind of like what you were talking about, like hackers and then become security guards. Like, I Joe broke my iPod. Mm -hmm. Now we're on the road to being developers. <laughs> yeah. Of the iPod. <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of an ongoing battle whether or not somebody can get something for free. When they put out original computer games, people could just copy the discs. And yeah. like I was telling you earlier, uh, they used to put out where, you know, if you were playing a computer game on your Commodore, it would say, turn to page 34 of the manual and type the fifth word down from the column to be yeah. able to continue, you know. And so if you didn't buy it, if you just got a copy of the disc, you couldn't play it. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe... On one hand, you know, it's up to them to defend their software a little bit from that happening. But on the other hand, you know, if it gets too widespread, then that kind of defense can be a big pain in the ass and everything's got to come with a code wheel or something like that. Yeah. Which wouldn't be very cool. I would talk with the iPod Touch, you would like buy an app and have to wait like four days to get a little code sent to you through the mail. I have to activate on your app. Well, I've uh, I've read. Uh, have any of you guys? Uh, I've read on the internet about PSPs and how people would do that and homebrew their PSP is what they call it instead of jailbreak. Yeah. Same with the Wii. You can homebrew it. Yeah. Uh, and, and install like a custom OS on it, and then you can just download games off the internet. But on the PSP, they say it's been a really big problem that there's actually a lot less sales of PSP games because of homebrewed PSPs. Uh, and so that there's actually been a problem of them not releasing as many games on PSP because they're afraid that it'll just be stolen. So it can have an impact that can hurt your, your platform. Yeah. Uh, so once your iPod is jailbroke, can you still legitimately buy stuff for it if you yeah. want? It's still the app store. That's why when we put our app, if his is still jailbroken, he would buy our app. <laughs> hmm. Well, something to think about. It definitely seems to be uh, fairly common. Uh, how did Zach's get jailbroke? Did, did anybody help out with that? or did Yeah, he... um, t 
his friend Jeff's uncle. Yeah, Jeff's okay. uncle. His he did it for him. Oh really? Yeah, except hacker. Huh. Yeah, except now he wants me to do it for him. No, he already did it because Jeff's uncle just didn't download three point one. So oh. Uh, well, cool. Uh, don't jailbreak anybody else's iPod for him, okay? Yeah, so I'm, if we're going to be doing the SDK, we should hold ourselves to possible future profits from it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for telling me honestly your, your thoughts on the situation, guys. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back in just a little bit with the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Uh, just a quick little wrap-up section of some stuff we brought up uh, earlier uh, with uh, Noah and Sabrina. We uh, the kids uh, got their shoulders behind me the other day. Uh, was it yesterday? And we powered yeah, through and finished. Yeah, it. yeah, we powered through and finished Silent Hill Shattered Memories. So I wanted to have a spoiler-free. We can't give away anything significant in the game, but... Just a spoiler-free discussion of the game a little bit. Uh, wrapping it up, what you thought of it? I thought it was pretty scary. I wasn't even the one playing it, but I was, you know, like modes. cringing at parts where, like, when they, those things would jump on you and, mm -hmm. like, a lot of them would. And then when, like, weird parts would come up, like, confusing parts. It did have, uh, it had some good... Uh, weird, confusing stuff where the world would twist around, especially in that uh, uh, part where you... Uh, uh, there's parts where the architecture of where you're walking changes and doesn't make any sense. And, yeah. Uh, after so much of the game not being like that, it's pretty, uh, pretty freaky. Yeah. I don't know. Without giving it away, it definitely has more of a, a head trip, does more things to play with your mind as a, yeah. as a player. And I've seen a Silent Hill game do in a long time. So Noah, uh, we we don't want to spoil the ending for the viewers here, no. but why don't since the topic of the podcast is uh, cheating the systems, why don't you let the uh, listeners know how you spoiled it for yourself a little bit? Well, a while before he finished it, I went on YouTube and watched a bunch of YouTube videos of all the different endings. And, um, so, I did spoil it for myself. I also spoiled it because while he was playing, I was on GameFAQs, looking at facts, looking at facts, while he going ahead. So then, he would get to a part, and I'd, like, say something, and be like, No, shut up, boy! <laughs> yeah, 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 I had to keep you from uh, spoiling it for me. You wouldn't hold yeah. yourself back. Well, cool. Uh, definitely a recommended game, right? I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Sabrina, come a little closer here so the microphone can hear you. Yeah. Um, so with the uh, other horror games that you've been playing lately, do you think, uh, how would you compare it to something like Obscure? I thought, like, Obscure is one of those, like, more, the more, like, 
figure it out yourself games, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, more of a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. And then this one was more of, like, a mind-boggling game. You didn't know what was going on at some certain times, and then you think true. you'd have it to get, like, you think you'd know what's going on, but then all of a sudden you'd, like, not know what's going on. It'd be all confusing. Well, and it wasn't that hard of a game. Yeah. I mean, there were only a few times when I was lost and usually it was just you know something dumb a door that i'd missed or something like that so really it was more of a i mean it wasn't a challenging game you know the nightmare parts sometimes were and they were tense and stressful you know because you couldn't fight the creatures you could only find you know how to get away and Mm -hmm. and then there'd be you know some puzzle there were puzzle elements in it though yeah uh but but it was more of a game that seemed focused on getting the story across to you than having you getting stuck and having to do yeah. parts over and over. And I did appreciate that about it. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, I think we can wrap up that section right there. You know, I just wanted to, to finalize our part about piracy that we were talking about on games earlier. Uh, you know, definitely as a family, you know, I mentioned that I have uh, some game ROMs that I had gotten a hold of in the past for old arcade games. Uh, and you had had your uh, iPod uh, jailbroke, and we made you clear that back out of that. Yeah. Recently, we also cleared out some other stuff that you had installed on the computer. On the computer. Uh, uh, you know, I think definitely, you know, thinking about the larger effect of doing that, uh, whether it be stealing music, stealing software... Is something I definitely want to uh, uh, encourage in you guys and to try and set a better example for myself. Uh, so, cool. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back in just a few minutes with the Happy Game Family Go podcast, and our next segment will be the Family Wow Pow Wow uh, as we discuss cheating the systems in the world of Warcraft. Everybody and welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. We're here with uh, Monica, the mom, uh, and myself, and Noah and Josh, and we're here for the uh, family Wow Pow Wow, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, our topic for the podcast this week was cheating the systems, and so we wanted to talk about uh, things uh, in the world of Warcraft that had to do with. Cheating the systems, uh, uh, people cheating in World of Warcraft, finding ways to do that, uh, and actually uh, experiences with, we've even had in our family with hacking going on in World of Warcraft. Um, And the ones that I know about in terms of cheating in World of Warcraft, um, the only ones that I know that you guys have had some involvement with at first was private servers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about that, how that works. Private servers isn't really hacking the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a whole different, like, it's just a whole different game that doesn't have anything to do with the real game. It's just, like, your own little private 
like, like area that you can. It's the whole game, except it doesn't connect in anything to the actual. It's kind game. of right. like what fan fiction is to Star Trek. It's like you set up your own backyard, as if you were running Blizzard in a server. Only you can move anything around or make it what you want yeah, it to be. Yeah, pretty much. Except it has no effect on the real game. Yeah. Right. So, how did you guys set that up? When or for, how did you first discover that people even did it? Because uh, at first it was just like watching YouTube videos and people would do like yeah. crazy stuff and then the comments were like, wow, what a private server and stuff like that. And um, we'd be like, well, what's a private server? So we searched it up and that's basically sort of how it started. Mm-hmm. It was for me. Yeah, me too. And then you just web searched how to do it? Yeah. yeah. YouTube, there was a bunch of tutorials. It took a while stuff. to find this thing because there's only one server that actually works. Mm-hmm. All the other ones you have to like... You have to, like, download some other stuff, and you have to message yeah. the creator, and it's, like, so a big, hard buy. process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, I mean, without telling the people on the internet how it's done, uh, specifically, give us a, like, generic of how you did it. Well, you just, you go into this menu in the World of Warcraft file, and there's a little notepad document that you're supposed to change. Now that redirects what server it's looking for. Yeah, and then when you go into the game, it automatically goes there. And on the website, you set up an account. Uh-huh. And then you're in. Oh, okay. On the private server someone else ran? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now, for a while, you were trying to set up oh, yeah. locally. To... I... Josh, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I did that. And you were just trying to set up a SQL server... Basically, that would run as our own private server that you could configure, mess around with, right? Yeah. But it was hard, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, and then for a while, that was a pain for your game, wasn't it, Monica? Well, because if he didn't go in and change whatever it was that got changed, if he didn't change it back, then I'd sit down later and try to log on to the actual game, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be able to, because mm. that change that he made would have to be changed back to normal. Before you could log back onto the normal server. Well, and it turns out that they so strongly discourage private servers that it's actually... you can Your account can be banned. And I, I hadn't realized that. I'm sure it's in the terms of use. Yeah, you know, that, which yeah, I think... What, you didn't pour through every right, sentence yeah, in yeah, the 1,800 page thing? Every single word <laughs> or syllable of the terms of service agreement. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found that out because I was calling Blizzard customer service because of a problem Josh was having with his account. And, you know, they were having me, you know, I was told to have him log on to his account, and so he was trying to, and then he was like, oh, wait, I'm on a private server, because he had his computer configured to go on the private server. Right. And so when the Blizzard guy heard that, he's like, that's a violation of the terms of service, and that could get your account banned. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody Please stop now. <laughs> do not ban my nephew's account. Because I was on the phone with Blizzard, and they, you know, you know, so I was kind of freaked out. And, right. You know, plus, and the guy said the reason is because it can open you up to being hacked. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how, but. Well, probably because they could, uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of patches, yeah. downloads, and when things you, that come through. That well, they a lot do. of people will get, like, I was playing Call of Duty the other day, and this guy was talking about it. He made a private server. And he hacked someone's real account because they used their same account information for the private servers. Yeah, I didn't do that. For mm-hmm. their actual account, mm-hmm. and like they, they stole all their stuff. And... Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's that's uh, the other 
dark side of cheating the systems with World of well, Warcraft. Well, also if you're just stupid. Well, yeah. yeah, you yeah but there's also it. clever ways they could do it, too, because when you, when you connect to the World of Warcraft, it's transmitting information to you that show yeah. up as files, and so one of those could have a virus or a keylogger or something yeah. embedded in it, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why I went and bought the authenticator from yeah, Blizzard, you know, the, the little digital thing that you can use to add extra security to your account. Yeah, tell, yeah. tell as if no, the people have no idea what you're talking about, tell us about that. Um, the authenticator, it's just a little keychain device that Blizzard sells. I think you can also download one to keep on your iPhone or yeah. your, you know, Blackberry or whatever. Mm -hmm. But all it does is when you're getting ready to log on to your account, you type in your username and your password, and then before you log on, it prompts you for a six-digit number from this authenticator, and that'll be different every single time you log on, so it makes it a lot more difficult True for someone to hack your account. So even if they had a key logger or something on your it system, captured your password, they'd need they to have couldn't that get, code. Yeah. And, and, and that's different every single time you log in. Yeah. Well, now, in terms of password hacking and getting your account hacked, hasn't that also happened to one of us? or any? Uh, Well, my account got hacked, like, a while ago, and all my all my stuff got totally sold, and just everything's mess. Mm -hmm. And so I basically just pretty much stopped playing after that. Really? Well, I tried to contact Blizzard and get my stuff back, but after a while, I just got bored of trying to. And this was way after all the private server and stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So do you know how it happened at all? Was there I think it was just from Keylogger. So you, did you do, like, a virus scan and find some problems after that and clear yeah. them up, but it was too late? They had gotten your passwords? Yeah. Yeah, because it was also before we got the authenticators, and after that, that's why... Well, that's why I we got, got the authenticators. Mm. Well, see, and that's one of the biggest risks when it comes to any, you know, not legitimately downloaded software, anything that's cracked or anything that's, uh, you know, hacked or downloaded from any pirate sites is that you wonder... Well, why is somebody out there just out of the goodness of their heart giving me this for free? Well, a lot of them have snuck in a little something extra for you, uh, you know, and it'll install a virus or a Trojan or something that'll either log your keystrokes or... Well, and the thing about people hacking WoW accounts is that, you know, they do it because they'll sell World of Warcraft gold well, for yeah, real-world money. Yeah, they get on your mm -hmm. account and they sell all of your stuff, everything that you own, and then take all the gold you have, mail it to some just bot account or master account, and then they sell it from that account. Right, and they'll and they'll go on to trade chat. You know, you'll see gold spammers once in a while on trade chat, you know, mm -hmm. advertising that they're selling gold or selling power leveling. You know, and whenever I see one of them, you know, I just always click on them and report them for spam. Right, right. Well, so that's, uh, that's the other dark side of the World of Warcraft is there's people out there who don't want to play the game to get what they need to get, right? They right, play the yeah. Game to make real money. Like, yeah. Well, the, the sellers, well, and, and but the then reason, there's a customer Yeah, the reason them, they right? have a market is because, yeah, there are customers who, for whatever reason, I don't even understand it at all. They just want to have a level 80 character with a ton of money, but they don't want to have spent any time leveling that character. Oh, yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why, because, you know, I mean, there are some characters you'll see in trade chat, and you know that they just bought their character, but when all they want to do is go online and chat, I guess I don't understand why they want to do that in World of Warcraft, because as far as I know, there are lots of ways you can go online mm -hmm. 
to chat with other people. Right. But for some reason they want to go But inside. for some reason they want to do it as a level 80 character on World of Warcraft. And not work to uh, to earn their way there. They just buy their way there. Right. <laughs> Which presents a market for these people who steal other right. people's things. Well, now, it, wouldn't it, is it legal to even sell those things if you earn those things yourself as your own character? No. Right, so no, I couldn't. I couldn't go on eBay and sell gold that I no. earned using my characters. So, like gold farming and power leveling are probably all violations of the. Well, you can gold farm, but you just can't sell the gold for real money. Right. Yeah. Now, what does gold farming refer well, to? Well, it just that just refers to going out and, and playing the game. And yeah, either killing things, or you know, doing quests and getting gold. Millions and to, millions of boars. Or trying to get <laughs> as much money as you can as fast as. Right, or okay. even just uh, farming resources, you know, going out into the world and, you know, if your character is a skinner, you know, just killing animals and harvesting the skins and selling them, you know, that's that's farming. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine, you know, that's perfectly legal, you know, if you're but a miner. then you could sell those, right? Right, yeah, or like, yeah. you know, one of my characters has mining and so once in a while I'll send her out to this place called the Ungoro Crater and just have her run around because there's tons of stuff to mine there that she can go put in the auction house and make money with. Well, what's not allowed to do, to sell, to... Well, I mean, you can sell anything in the auction house that's not soul-bound. That would be something that's bound to your character that you can only... Yeah, but you, you can't can only, even put in there. You can't put it in the auction house. You could only sell it to a vendor. And that's usually stuff that you get from quest rewards or from drops in dungeons. Okay. You know, and that's specifically, I think, to keep some of the higher-end gear as something that you have to go out and earn and rather earn. than something you can buy. But uh, um, what I can't do with my gold is sell my gold for real world money to another player. I also can't sell World of Warcraft gear for real world money to other people. That's all violations of the terms. But everything, of sort of... everything that I do within the game, selling stuff in the auction house, is legal. That's the way the game is set up. You know, the World of Warcraft has an economy, <laughs> and as long as you're, you know, as long as you're working within that, you're fine. Huh. Well, is there any other cheating the systems that you know of that goes on in World of Warcraft that we haven't covered? We didn't really talk that much about power leveling. Yeah, what's what's power leveling? Power leveling is kind of the same as gold selling because usually you go onto a website or something and then you spend a certain amount of money and you give them your account information, which can also get you hacked, mm -hmm. and they go into your account and there's just some nerds in a computer for hours on end. The just there's, like, level 80. there's a whole industry of people in China and Korea who just do nothing but play World of Warcraft to farm for gold, for gold selling, and to power level characters for people yeah. who have Why characters. Why would somebody do that? Because it makes money. Well, yeah, I mean, the the power leveler, I suppose I understand, oh, but why would you pay one. real world money to get an advanced character? See, and I don't understand that either because yeah. I only play the game because it's a fun game to play. And you want to play? Well, I, I mean, you... what status is there I have... associated with a high level? I have no idea. I mean, because yeah, I mean, it's there's some status associated with having a high level character, but it's mostly associated with the time and, you know, badassery you put into leveling that character. Have you, you ever know, run that? across somebody who's obviously done that? Like, they're a high level, but they have no Mage, idea what yeah, they're Mage doing? Stain. Yeah, there's there's a character named Magestain on our realm, you know, who is notorious because he all he does is spam trade chat. 
and you talks know, about his and you'll see one of his characters girlfriend. once in a while. The only time I've ever seen his character, it was just sitting on the ground in a storm wind. You know, he doesn't, as far as anyone can tell, he doesn't actually play the game. He mm. only spams trade chat. One time I was in he a... He must have absolutely no <laughs> life. One right. time I was doing a Black Temple raid with him, and he actually got booted because he was doing so bad. Yeah, because he, he had no lives. idea how to play the game, yeah. right? Yeah, it was back when he was like level seventy, still. Or I don't think he was Mage Saint. I think he was one of his alt characters, mm-hmm. and it, he it was seventy, so he was trying to get some gear for it or something, and he was doing absolutely terrible. <laughs> well, and he gets banned every now and then. He was gone for a while, and then he got back on. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure he just bought another character. Yeah, he did. So really, they're, they're just obviously Cause, losers cause to anybody else playing. When he came yeah, back, he was right. like, "Yeah, guys, I've been hiding since February. This was last year, mm-hmm. and it was like." Probably sometime July or something like that. He said, I've been hiding since February and <laughs> questing just nothing but, you know, you really have yeah, right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You bought an account. You know. <laughs> I don't get it. He seems to have enough free time that he could just play the game. Right. I See, that's yeah, what I, I don't understand either because it's not like there's some real world status associated with having a high level character in World of Warcraft. Nobody really cares <laughs> except for other people who play World of Warcraft. And if other people who play World of Warcraft think that you didn't level your character yourself, that's no status at all. That yeah. just makes you a laughing stock. I know. Well, have you guys uh, run across any other, like, dark, uh, dork-sided stuff (laughs) in World of Warcraft? You know, like, stalking or, you know, people being inappropriate with kids or anything like that? I haven't personally. I've, I've, you know, heard about it. I've, you know, read about, you know, people saying that, I guess, sometimes, like, for example, if you're playing as a female character, guys hit um, on you. You know, guys will hit on you, you know. It hasn't personally happened to me. And a lot of people who play female characters are not women in real life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it seems like those kinds of things could happen. I haven't personally observed it while playing the game. And, you know, trade chat, I haven't really ever noticed getting very raunchy. The guild we're in is a family guild. There are lots of kids in the guild. So, you know, one of the, I mean, one of the very few rules the guild has is that, you know, guild chat is... Friendly. Supposed to be family friendly. Yeah. Well, in the World of Warcraft uh, chat system, does something to yeah, they, yeah. You can't actually cuss. It'll just make it little Cuban style exclamation marks. Yeah. And really, you can turn off the the yeah, chat. It doesn't turn off for everyone else. It just turns oh, off. Oh, just for what you can yeah. see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's good for parents to know out there that you know if their kids are playing World of Warcraft, there's a setting they can go in. There's even parenting settings on WorldWarcraft.com to make it so that account gets locked up after a certain time. Yeah, oh, you can control cool. how much how much time is spent playing the game, how late at night it can be played. That's cool. That's good. They have that on the Xbox too, don't they? I don't know. I've never looked into it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, my character, uh, Ibarcus, I'm up to level 14 now, I think. Uh, I can't remember when I was last time we, we did the podcast, but uh, I'll be boosting up and try to get to 15 or 16 and then make a dead mines run here pretty soon here. Uh, right, Monica? Yep, get you Help, some gear. Give me some <laughs> nice rogue gear. We can go through there a few times. Because <laughs> I'm getting tired of being scared in Westfall every time a <laughs> harvest watcher notices <laughs> me while I'm fighting some of the, you know, thieves and lurkers. Look and... us up on Malfurion. Malfurion. Well, what's the name of your guy? 
F L A S S. Flash. Yep, that's your rogue. Gnome rogue. How long has it been since he played? I don't know, like probably a month. Ah, man, you should boot it up again. See, Flass yeah. is the one who ran my rogue through the deadbinds all those times. How how is Lurleen, or Wednesday now? Or Lurleen is level 70 now. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. She's got skills. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, she'd be higher than that, but I started a new character that I've been leveling, so... Because I had to give Lurleen a break so that she could get her energy out of the purple. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you get fatigued, right? Yeah, yeah. well, you... Uh, and then you, you get can, less XP, right? Yeah, that's the main consequence, is you don't get XP as fast. All right, well, cool. Well, I guess uh, we'll see you in the World of Warcraft if you happen to log on, Josh. And Noah, when's the last time you played? I actually played... I got on while you guys were gone. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes, folks, with a Happy Game Family Goal podcast with our last segment, uh, Bedtime with just uh, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. I'm sitting here with Monica because it's bedtime and those <laughs> kids are winding down. How's it going? Good. Good. Um, this one was kind of a squirrely one, Monica, trying to nail down, uh, you know, the uh, the cheating at games was pretty easier to hit, but uh, spreading it out into hacking and... Uh, uh, iPod piracy and other game piracy, you know, seems like the kids were a little, uh, a little unsure as what to say or what stance to take, and and so was I, really. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I would tend to think that, you know, for them, a lot of what their stance is based on might be different from what your personal stance would be. I mean, I think the kids tend to. Whether or not they know in their heads that hacking might be wrong or might be stealing, they still want to figure out what they can do and what they can get away with. And yeah, you know, I think for a lot of people, like you've said before, with hacking, it's it's as much to prove you can do something as it is to get whatever it is you're trying to take. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think maybe part of the challenge for me is just you know there have been some. Uh, you know, software that I have in our house that I haven't necessarily gotten a hold of the right mm-hmm. way. So in terms of the, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of the example I was trying to provide for them, uh, I felt like I had to clean it up a little bit, even in the, even in the process of recording this. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing that I felt was when I was trying to talk to them about the morality of this, you know, it's it seems to be a lot easier for the kids to understand the concept of stealing when it comes to something physical. Yeah. And that even when I would, you know, try to apply morality to it and they did understand a more black and white view of it, then I, I had less luck trying to explore the gray areas of that, you know, how a consumer, how consumers might have wanted to 
for example, steal music more on Napster before iTunes came out and you could buy songs for digital download for a dollar instead right. of having well, to buy an $18 CD to get one song. Yeah, I mean, I think that iTunes would have been successful no matter what, selling songs at 99 cents a piece. But uh, I think that the recording industry lawsuits, getting a lot of publicity didn't hurt. Yeah. I think the fact that, you know, people saw that, that there might actually be a chance that there could be significant consequences to stealing music as if you were stealing a CD out of the record store, you know, I think that sort of encouraged people to do the right thing and go to iTunes and buy the music. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think, you know, in talking with the kids about the consequences of uh, jailbreaking their iPod, you know, that it was a lot easier to communicate uh, the consequences of what personally could happen well, than to, and to extrapolate the larger picture. That's generally what most people are going to care about is, you know, what kind of consequences are going to happen to them personally for whatever it is they're being discouraged from doing. Um, you know, not that people don't avoid doing the wrong thing just because it's wrong. And I think that you get more, you know, more in that position as you get older once you have a little bit more empathy Mm-hmm. for just the world at large. But, you know, I think a lot of people probably would do things if they thought there was a pretty good chance of getting away with it Yeah, that they wouldn't do if they were afraid of the consequences. I mean, you know, as you get older, you have more to risk and more to lose if you bend the rules. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I would like to think that people also sort of advance on a moral ground too and reach a point where they they not only just have more to lose but are developing more empathy and more of an understanding of the world as a larger picture uh, and their impact on it, you know, beyond the consequences that could be visited back upon them. Well, and I'm sure that plenty of people do behave that way just purely out of empathy, out of wanting to do the right thing. But I think if most people were like that, if it were in human nature to be like that, I don't think that we ever would have needed rules or laws or negative consequences for making the wrong choices. You know, because the fact is, stealing is only wrong because we say it is. Yeah. Well, I mean... You know, in nature it happens all the time. True. And... and there certainly are cases where uh, it's certainly the wrongness of stealing seems to be a matter of who gets to make up the rules. You know, for example, uh, high-powered executives can raid their employees' pension fund Mm -hmm. and find a way to make it legally stick through loopholes and get away with that money, you know, by going bankrupt. Uh, Whereas, you know... uh, an armed assailant in a Seven Eleven, you know, mm-hmm. for sixty bucks, will go to jail for eight years. Right. <laughs> um, so it's not really that that the wrongness of something seems to be commensurate to the amount of money stolen or the human misery caused. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, when Europeans first came to to this country, the you know the folks who were already here kind of thought that it was their country already. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I guess the Europeans disagreed. <laughs> it became a matter of might makes right. 
yeah. uh, in that case too. Uh, I was talking about iTunes uh, actually, and one of the things that uh, I had to do from a technical angle is go through all these hoops to set it up so that even though we all have different logins on the computer, we can all access the same music. It wasn't right. a built-in easy thing to do through iTunes. Well, yeah, because they want everybody to... I mean, if four different people want the same song, they want all four people to have to buy it. You know, to me, it seems like in our family, if we've bought something, you know, we shouldn't have to buy the same songs four times for our household. Right. Exactly. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, And the way, I think in some ways, you know, the ways that people choose to pirate things and what they choose to take um, is not just an indicator of how easy or consequence free it is, you know, which would for, for somebody putting something out, you know, any sort of intellectual property would indicate, yeah, you should have safeguards. If there's no consequence of being caught, it will be just a floodgate that comes open. Mm -hmm. But the other indicator that can happen, you know, can be, well, really you're kind of unfair about it. And so people are sort of fighting back a little bit against you. Well, yeah, people get pissed because, yeah, I think most people don't mind buying something and paying for it, but they don't want to have to buy the same thing and pay for the same thing, you know, numerous times. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, if I buy a DVD and bring it home, that's a physical thing I own. I can watch the movie as many times as I want. You know, my kid can watch the movie, you can watch the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. We can loan the movie to somebody. But one of the competing formats for DVDs when it first came out was called the DivX format, and you could buy this disc for like five bucks, Mm -hmm. but then you could only watch it three times, and you had to have a player that was connected to a phone line to get authentication. And after three times, any time you wanted to watch it more, it was like another dollar fifty charge or something. Right. Well, obviously that didn't fly. No, it didn't catch on. Uh, it totally failed, but uh, if it had, if or if it was the only standard they released, I imagine they'd be constantly fighting a war against people, uh, you know, unlocking and distributing that content right. online. Or Well, because people would be, you know, justifiably ticked that they couldn't enjoy, you know, that they couldn't own a movie the way they wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, if I see a movie in the theater that I love, I want to be able to bring that home and watch it as many times as I want. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think maybe the fact that uh, there's a lot of illegal online movie sharing, uh, even despite their their desire to lock these things down, may indicate that people are getting a little tired of feeling like they're supposed to rebuy the same thing. Well, and I think, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is in different formats. They keep coming out, you know. Yeah, well, and also a lot of it, yeah, it's just people wanting to figure out what they can do and just kind of, you know, so to speak, stick it to the man. You know, people feel exploited. Pirating movies is one way they can express that frustration. Mm. But there are In a way, it's symbolic, you know, just lashing out at corporations, even though the entertainment industry might not specifically be the industry that you feel exploited by. Yeah. But there are people that also, on the other hand, just go nuts with it. Just copy every movie and make it their rule and and don't even think twice about it or care what their impact is. I know that from my experience, uh, you know, uh, back when I was downloading those old arcade games for the emulators, 
you know, it just became a pastime getting a hold of the games. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with... I mean, there were loads of them that I never played. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a, a thrill, you know, oh, I got this and I got that, mm-hmm. and just downloading a, a bunch of these games. And, you know, since then, I've been able to uh, buy collections here and there, you know, whatever they, they release, you know, on the Wii. I, I've definitely downloaded the Super Mario. You know, mm-hmm. they've gotten their money out of me plenty right, of times. Yeah. Um. But, you know, once you get kind of started on that path, it kind of becomes its own end, its own well, you know, because, inappropriate sense of empowerment. Yeah, because half the fun for you was just finding the stuff and getting it. You know, most of the time you didn't even end up playing the games. You just wanted to know that you could find them and put them on your computer. Yeah. You know, it was more of a, a conquest type of thing than, you know, the thrill of acquisition more than the thrill of ownership. You know, it, and... Having them on the computer like that can also be a kind of out of sight, out of mind thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It, again, keeps a difference between digital stealing and physical stealing where you're looking around at a room full of stuff you didn't pay for. Right. Well, you know, and also, if you think about it, you know, with physical stealing, if you're going to, you know, Target and trying to steal a DVD, you know, that's a physical thing that you're taking away from the store. Mm-hmm. That means that DVD is no longer in the store for somebody to actually purchase. Yeah. With digital stuff, you know, if you're stealing music, you're not, by doing that, preventing somebody else from getting that music. And so I think that makes it, you know, for a lot of people, harder to perceive as stealing. Yeah, the infinite nature of the inventory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fact that it isn't reduced or taken away from somebody uh, and... But you know, in a, in a way that ju- that's just well, they're a big company. You know, right. they well, can yeah, use not, the profit of my. Purchase, I'm not saying it isn't stealing. I'm just which saying is a wrong that, perception. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying that for a lot of people, the fact that it is digital, it's not a physical thing. Um, you know, people haven't yet, and maybe they will someday. But I don't think people have yet made the full leap to realizing that that the content is what people are claiming ownership of. You know, I can hold a book in my hand, but it's not just the cover and the pages. It's not just the physical stuff that the book is made out of that makes it makes it significant or important. It's yeah. what's in the book. The intellectual that property. And well, so it doesn't, you know, the stealing other, uh, a book electronically would be just as bad as stealing the book off of the shelf. Yeah. In terms of it would deny the, the author his right to make a living. Right. But the other... Devil's advocate sort of point I can make, uh, to make up a word there, uh, is that, for example, like with a lot of these old arcade games uh, that I got the ROMs for, even if I did manage to uh, buy the content, buy the arcade game in some sort of collection or something, that's not necessarily going to go to the creator of the arcade game or any of the original well, programmers. the creator or... of the arcade game may never have had any rights. I mean, they may have just been working for a company and, you know, they got paid their wage, but they didn't actually have any ownership in the game to begin with. Well, and those rights get sold and resold and there's a, you know, obviously somebody's paid some money and there's some value to it. Uh, I don't know if it's naive of me to wish that in some way there would be some sort of original 
royalty going to the people who actually created something as opposed to the company that bought the rights from the company that bought the rights from the company who originally employed somebody under a draconian work for hire contract that well, gave but them I mean, how do you know it's, how do you know it's draconian and then they got too small of a sal- salary? You know, maybe I just like to think <laughs> that to feel better. <laughs> you know, the fact is, if you're going to, you know, you can't have it both ways. Something is either stealing or it's not. It doesn't make it not stealing just because what you're taking isn't owned by its creator. Yeah. Well, I suppose it isn't just that, though. I mean, if you look at the historical precedents about, uh, or the historical arguments uh, presented uh, hypothetically in story or in parable uh, about stealing, you know, is it ever right to steal? You've got the legend of Robin Hood, uh, in an oppressive society where, you know, uh, the um, land-owning robber barons under, you know, an unjust king's uh, rulership, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lived in opulence. And he, he was a hero to the people for stealing from these people and distributing that wealth. Right, but he was serfs. also, if I remember correctly, also, you know, in some way representing the lawful king who had been deposed. yes. So well, he wasn't but purely... there, you know, the the throne itself had been stolen. The power itself had been usurped and stolen, but just in that way that you know might makes right. You know what I right. mean? Right. Um, and then there's again the parable of you know, is it all right to steal a loaf of bread to you know to feed your starving family? Not that that applies at all to entertainment, but right. just to get out there. But that even concept. even with the loaf of bread, you know, whether it's right or wrong, if stealing is illegal and you're caught stealing that loaf of bread, it doesn't matter why you were stealing it. You're still in violation of the law, and you're still going to get arrested. Yeah. You know, because the fact is, and the argument that would be made in court is that if your family is hungry there are lawful ways to go about feeding them even if you have no money. Well, in the in this day and age, maybe right. not in brutal <laughs> serfdom. Sure, in brutal medieval times, you know, it was either sink or swim. Yeah. But even then, if you were near a monastery and you went to a monastery, they would give you a meal and a place to sleep. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess maybe... Uh, uh, Definitely from a lawful perspective, you can't quite justify stealing from the rich to give to the poor. <laughs> and uh, probably, in most cases, not from a moral perspective. And almost certainly never when it comes to games <laughs> and fun and intellectual property that, you know, you really don't have a need for right? in any way, shape, or form. Well, I mean, you know, and if you're looking at the argument that a lot of these older games, you know, they wouldn't be sending any royalties back to whoever it was that created the game, assuming it was even just one person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Beatles don't own their own music. Yeah. yeah. Well, the uh, the only bastion that I have left then is that a lot of these old games are not available for purchase in any way. You right. Know, there's, there's a category of software out there. It's in the gray area. It's kind of called abandonware. Mm-hmm. You know, that the company that owned the rights has long since gone bankrupt and, and there's not anybody Basically, left nobody and, cares about it. Yeah. Not gonna ma- nobody's going to come and make any money off of it anyway. And if somebody did, if somebody did want to revive it and put it in a collection, 
well, then they could, and you'd probably end up buying the collection. I probably but would, yeah. There have been so many games over the years that people just don't care about all of them. Mm-hmm. Nobody even remembers all of them, even you. Yeah. You know, don't have an awareness in your head of every single game that's ever existed on the entire planet. I probably had a good one <laughs> for a while, you know, at least up through uh, the mid-80s, but no, it's exploded. There's no way any one person can have Well, it and the thing is, even with all your game knowledge, you know, for all those years that people were making games to play on the Commodore in the United States, I'm sure they were doing the same thing in, in Europe. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Well, you know, Asia. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have no familiarity. With, uh, with any of that. Well, okay, so I, I don't know. So is it ever okay to steal? Is it ever acceptable? I mean, and and is there anything more we should be doing to educate our kids in this area, you know, beyond setting our example? And you know, I think we just set the best example we can. Example. The thing is, you know, I couldn't say absolutely that it's okay to steal or not to steal. I think that I think that it can really be a gray area, and I think that everybody has to make their own call because nobody is, I don't know, everybody's conscience is different, and really when it comes down to it, it comes down to what you personally can live with. Because if somebody doesn't really care, it doesn't matter if you tell them that it's not moral to steal or that it's not legal to steal. Those are all just going to be reasons why they are going to look down their nose at you and say, I'm going to do it anyway, and I don't care what you say. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we just try to set a good example for our kids and hope that they do care, but realize that they might not always think that something is wrong that we would think is wrong. I mean, obviously, with the jailbreaking, that was something where we had a very different opinion of it Mm -hmm. than the kids. Yeah. Because they didn't really see anything wrong with it. And, you know... Well, I hope that at least we've done our part to show them, you know, and talking with Noah and... and, uh, talking about possibly being a developer and being on the other side of that fence, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just as, you know, if he's still interested in playing the drums, you know, maybe someday if he goes that route, he's not going to want all his music to just fly away from him without ever getting anything for well, it. Well, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people, you know, as they get older, find themselves, you know, taking a different stance on things, you know, you might have been a kid and enjoy running around, you know, vandalizing mailboxes or, you know, egging houses or teepeeing trees, which is something that you might think is hilarious when you're a kid. But then, you know, 25 years later, when you're a property owner, you yeah. don't think it's nearly as funny. That's true. Well, I never did enjoy any of that. <laughs> right, I'm just saying that a lot of kids do, and, and those same kids, when they're all grown up, are probably no, not I think, amused. Uh, looking back, my, my moral weakness, if any of it uh, there uh, to be cleaned up, was just I liked to get a hold of games. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, I think I'll be back in just a minute with our uh, our finish here on the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Thank you once again, Monica. No problem. Hey, 
folks. Welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Uh, just me, the dad again, wrapping it up here at the end, as I usually tend to do. Uh, looks like I, I hopefully should be able to get this podcast edited tonight and up on the internet uh, for a published date of Friday, February 5th, for episode 002, the Cheating the Systems episode of the Happy Game Family Go podcast. This was an interesting one, uh, a little bit more focused on our topic than the rather broad scope of our multiplayer uh, topic last week. Um, definitely something that's impacted me personally uh, in terms of setting an example for my own kids, um, something I talked about with uh, with my wife uh, in the previous segment, but uh, just something that I've uh, always found uh, in parenting is that you can't hide from your kids. Uh, little peepers uh, have big vision, uh, and they see who you are, whether you want them to or not, whether you're trying to hide things or not. And so, uh, for example, some of the things that I've mentioned uh, in terms of uh, uh, downloading ROMs for emulators, something that I had done in the past and don't really mess around with much anymore or any other software uh, that I had used. For example, before getting uh, GarageBand on this laptop, uh, I was an old uh, CoolEdit Pro user and... Uh, of course, that software got bought by Adobe and is now, I don't know, some four or $500 product called Soundbooth. But uh, before starting to learn and use this GarageBand, I just went and found myself an old copy somewhere on the wild, wild web of CoolEdit Pro. Somebody posted with a serial number. Well, you know, this kind of behavior uh, eventually ended up uh, setting an example for uh, my kids. Uh, and my son, uh, anyway, began, you know, wanting to use uh, uh, torrents to just get a hold of what he thought he needed to do what he needed to do, uh, or, you know, whatever software he wanted to get a hold of to experiment with his creative side. So um, your kids follow your example, and, and therefore, you know, in the time sense, we, you know, we're using GarageBand, or we're cleaning out any software that we have that we don't have any right to, we're going legit. With it, and we're uh, you know we're experiencing a couple of challenges because of that. Some uh, some videos that he wants to import directly into uh, an editing program from his camera, they no longer work. They worked with the newer version of the editing program that he got, not so legally. They don't work with the older version that we legally have. So we've got some hurdles to jump over there that don't entirely seem fair to him. Uh, but uh, I think we're making good progress. So, you know, you have the you have the side of uh, being a parent that sets the example. You also have the other side of being a parent uh, in terms of picking and choosing your battles. I mean, in this day and age, uh, gosh, cheating at video games is not a problem at all, but cheating at getting a hold of video games, well, you know, you have to pick and choose your battles. Uh, as a parent, in this day and age, we're all trying to keep our kids off of uh, addictive drugs or from getting involved with the... Uh, things like sex and alcohol too early. Certainly, kids at the age my kids are starting to get into their teens. I know a lot of parents out there aren't there yet, but uh, you'll get there. So, you know, there's also the choice of not really showing much of an awareness of what uh, a kid is doing on the digital front there. You know, my fear with that being that uh, 
you know, once something gets its start there, you know, once somebody feels like they can get a hold of something without uh, uh, any concern about whether it's purchased or not or whether they have a legal right to own it, maybe it's not that far of a gulf or that difficult of a transition from a kid to take something digital and start making that same assumption with something physical in the real world. Uh, but, you know, again, you do have to pick your battles. Pick the point where where you need to draw your own line. Uh, and that's each individual parent's decision. Uh, and I'm not really criticizing uh, any of the parents that I do know that aren't yet drawing that line in their sand because they, uh, they have their hands full with other things. This is definitely something that uh, the companies out there definitely have an awareness to. We did recently, in the news, have an announcement at the recent Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, Microsoft made an announcement of how they're basically launching something which is a legal MAME emulator. It's a, They're calling it Game Room. Uh, it's going to be a service out for the Xbox Live and uh, Windows Live marketplaces. A place where you can... Uh, download and enjoy uh, many numerous classic arcade titles. Uh, in fact, I believe the announcement included the fact that they plan to include thousands of these uh, titles and have them available in the next three years or so at a pricing of, uh, of $3 per title to own or for a one time as if you were you know, playing an arcade game in an arcade, 50 cents to play pricing model. Uh, Obviously, any of these companies are aware of the fact that there's an intellectual property out there being enjoyed by people uh, freely, and uh, those rights probably do belong to somebody. Uh, I, I, in fact, uh, listen to uh, numerous gaming podcasts on the internet, one of my favorites being Retronauts from 1up.com. It really fits my old hipster uh, <laughs> profile in terms of game playing. And uh, in the recent episode where they discussed it, uh, one of their new additions, uh, Mr. Frank Cifaldi from uh, the Lost Levels website, wherein he talks about games that were uh, canceled or unreleased, uh, discussed his experience at GameTap and the difficulty they had finding the license owners for a lot of these old games to be able to, uh, to present them to people. So one wonders whether Microsoft will find it as easy as they think. Uh, to put thousands of these games uh, on this service available for legal download uh, and play, uh, or whether that will uh, dance outside of their grasp a little bit. Certainly, if anybody has the resources to get it done, I'm sure it's Microsoft. But it does sound uh, like a legal option is coming, uh, which makes the questionable option for playing a lot of these older games less legal uh, and, and less uh, acceptable. Much in the same way <clears throat> when uh, Nintendo came out with their virtual console, you could download the classic NES games and Super Nintendo games that maybe some of us had been playing on our computers uh, and have a lot of the same features uh, such as saved game states, uh, although perhaps not quite so multi-user aware as I ranted earlier, but uh, have some of that same convenience available to you. Uh, certainly Nintendo charges much higher prices for their virtual console games uh, than you will find uh, listed so far on the 
Microsoft Game Room service, uh, if they're doing a $3 flat rate per game, well, that's going to just about beat the cheapest you can get anything on the uh, Nintendo Virtual Console service. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there's some adjusting while these companies narrow down what their pricing is going to be. Obviously, Nintendo didn't have this service entirely in mind when they launched their Wii, considering that uh, it took them until just this last year to come out with the SD card channel for their service, which lets you store more than just a few of these games, uh, it, which is really all that you could fit on the internal Nintendo Wii memory, uh, and store them on external SD cards, allowing you to actually collect and grow a library uh, of your virtual console purchases. So, you know, the companies are getting their, their heads wrapped around these services, and as they are, um, the gray area is disappearing, and the shores of uh, black and white are encroaching. And honestly, that's probably a good thing, because the more the gray area gets introduced, to my estimation, you know, looking at the kids around me and their response, the more gray area there is in there, uh, the less uh, they really start to see a black and white to uh, getting a hold of something that doesn't really belong to you. So to wrap up our episode here, I just want to go ahead and repeat uh, our email address in case anybody has any questions or comments they'd like to go ahead and send to us. Uh, I'll go ahead and screen them and forward them on to the right people uh, as I see fit. Uh, that email address would be happygamefamily at yahoo.com. Uh, we also do uh, keep our past episodes uh, on direct download, uh, as well as a direct RSS feed of our new episodes at our website, which is www.happygamefamily.com. Uh, and uh, new to the Happy Game Family is our Twitter and Facebook accounts. You can find us uh, on both of those services where we'll be uh, putting up announcements and maybe hosting some discussion threads, uh, opening it up a little bit. You can uh, become a fan of our public page on Facebook. Uh, just run your search for Happy Game Family. You'll find it there. Uh, and on Twitter as well, uh, Happy Game Family just happened to be available on all these services, so I went ahead and jumped on it, uh, and we're hooked up there too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Happy Game Family Go! podcast and uh we'll see you again in uh hopefully in about two weeks uh i'm developing a possible specific topic for that one as well it might even connect a little bit to what we talked about this week but uh i'll uh, i'll hold off and become more uh solid about that uh when we launch that next episode so once again thanks for joining us folks uh and may all your gaming memories be happy ones as you move forward in life with your family. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs>